0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This, this is Bump and Stacy
1: on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now.
1: Like I said, I don't like surveys. When I'm on YouTube or at some website, they ask me to take a survey. I always skip it. But this one, Curtis, we are not skipping this survey.
0: The NFLPA player survey day. This is only something that's happened last year and this year, but bump, it has become one of my very favorite days on the NFL calendar because every team's skeletons get put out there for the world to see. Every team's like dirty laundry gets put out there. For all of us to consume and be like, oh, are are you seeing what the Cardinals are doing to their players? <laughs> oh, look at the Chargers, how pitiful they are. Not just in wins and losses, but look at how they treat their players. Uh, and so today, this mana from heaven drops down in the dead of the off season before all the workouts get started. The NFL Combine bump, and uh, it, it has people talking once again. And I love it. I love it because. This, to me, represents the one time a year where the curtain gets peeled back fully on these teams.
1: Yeah, you can't hide. You can't hide those skeletons. The players are going to let you know. So let's uh, let's focus on the Seahawks first. And I think and then we can uh, we can dabble across the league. Right. Okay. So when it comes to the Seahawks report card, okay, they got a category. You got grade and then you have the rank out of 32 teams. So the first category is treatment of families. They got a C and that is ranked 14th across the league. Me, when I think of treatment of families, I I look at the the tents during training camp where the families go and watch their uh, their dads or uncles or family members whatever uh, practice, and then I think about um, the family section at Lumen Field where everyone sits and they're able to go into the club level, and it seems okay to me. But you know what, Curtis? I've only been around one organization really, and that is the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks, so they rank to see there. Uh, food and cafeteria, I know for sure they're eating good up there. Every now and then I get to eat there. They got a B that is ninth in the NFL. It makes you
0: wonder how good the best uh, cafeteria is in the NFL if the Seahawks were only ranked ninth in the league. Because I've, I've been in there uh, on draft day. I've been in there a couple other times. It's impressive. Uh, so you kind of wonder like, wow, how are, how are the teams that, that got A's and A pluses? Are they getting like filet mignon? Are they getting right? tartar uh, steak tartar <laughs> and all that? How are they any
1: better? Nutritionist and dietitian. I got a B plus That is ninth locker room. They got to be that is ninth. The locker room is pretty spread out. I wonder how much you can really do to make a locker room uh, that special. Obviously I spent some time in that locker room, Uh training room they got a C in training staff. They got a C plus this one concerns me a little bit because in football, you're going to get banged up. You're going to get hurt. It's a matter of time. Nobody goes their whole career uh, without visiting the training room and spending time with that training staff. Uh, you would think that, uh, you know, the Seahawks would uh, do a little more when it comes to taking care of their guys. C plus ain't bad. I mean, you're passing, right? But uh, right. you would expect them, expect them to be around a B.
0: Yeah. And I... Obviously, training and, and fitness and whatnot is one of the most vital things you can invest in uh, from an ownership standpoint, from a, a front office standpoint, because you're putting significant investment in all these players, and you kind of want you, you want them to be as healthy as possible. You want an investment like Jamal Adams out on the field uh, as much as you can, uh, and you know, 23rd for training room and 27th for training staff. Uh, not the best grade, uh, both in the bottom third of the league in terms of, of grade with that. Um, but, uh, weight room 16th. So that's right in the middle. It did receive a B grade.
1: The weight room is awesome. I yeah. mean, yeah, they got the roll-up doors that uh that face the the uh the, the practice practice, field, practice yeah. field. Um the spacing is good. I spent some time in there too. I think the weight room the weight room is solid. The notes on this, the players feel they have good quality
0: equipment in their weight room that was twelfth overall, and then the players feel that they have an adequate amount of space in their weight room 17th. I've seen their weight room, too, Bob. It's huge. I, I don't know how much more space you need uh, to give those guys, but sure. Strength coaches, A-minus, which is a great grade. Uh, 12th overall in the league. 98% of players feel like they get an individualized plan. That's fifth overall. And the players feel that the strength coaches significantly contribute to their success. 14th overall. Now, here's some inter- team travel, a C. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody because the Seahawks end up flying the most miles of any team every single year. Um, it One note, though, only 73% of the players feel like they have a comfortable amount of personal space during flights. And then they do not require that any players have roommates before games. But
1: – uh, the, they don't require they have roommates right I had a roommate I, that was garbage yeah that was weird I'm a grown man <laughs> yeah. you mean I'm gonna, I am gotta roll over and wake up to another grown man <laughs> well, I used to turn my <laughs> back it was weird I hated that I had to share a room you know only had there was only like 10 guys who had their own rooms and they were yeah. uh, you know the obviously the like veterans all, the veterans all that stuff all but the yeah gyms. man get these dudes in rooms I'm glad you guys got your own rooms because that, that was malarkey
0: the whole 73% of players feel like they have a comfortable amount of personal space during flights they fly uh just a like a regular airline with with first class seating for like coaches and in front office and then a lot of players are put in coach i think they only allow players to sit first class returning from road games if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah if they win yeah and and another thing uh, 73% feel like they're comfortable because they're all DBs, receivers, linebackers. It's the big boys who are uncomfortable. Unless your O-line, your D-line are in first class, um, they're not going to be comfortable. Side note, the uh, the combine flies players out uh, NFL fly players out to the combine and they have them all sitting in coach. There was a big lineman who had to sit in the middle seat and there was um, this, a, a big talk about how all these guys should be flying first class. I'm sure the NFL can afford that. Go ahead and get these young men on first class fights, please. Um, head coach, this is from last year, right? So we're talking about last year's head coach and so ranking him. Obviously, Pete Carroll. He comes in with an A. Um, didn't expect anything less than this, honestly. I mean, Pete Carroll, say what you want. Uh, yes, he's not here anymore. Uh, the message probably went old, but I guarantee or got old, but I guarantee you that he had good relationships with these dudes, whether they were taking him what he was saying and in his coaching or not, he treated these guys like human beings. So not surprised at all that the head coach gets an a rating. So
0: 87% of players felt that former head coach Pete Carroll was efficient with their time. Now, 87% seems like a high percentage. What's interesting though, is that was only 21st overall in the league. In terms of percentage, so it, it, I guess there are a lot of other teams, or at least a good handful of other teams, that felt like their head coach was a lot more efficient with their time than Pete Carroll was. And then the Seahawks finished 15th overall in the league. Uh, but the players felt that Pete Carroll was very willing to listen to the locker room. That kind of checks out, especially because of how you know. Oftentimes, we'd come in on a Monday listen to the Pete Carroll show, listen to what he had to say. And it did kind of feel like maybe there was a disconnect between Pete and his staff and the players, Um, especially the whole, uh, you know, do you feel like you're getting through to your guys? Ask them next question. That was what Pete Carroll had to say. I think it was like week 14 or 15 of the season. It was in the midst of that stretch of those five games against playoff teams where they were really, really going through it. Um, And then finally, Bump, the last category for the Seahawks is Ownership, and they came in at 23rd in the league, a C-plus rating. And then the note from the Players Association says, Club chair Jody Allen received a rating of 7.9 out of 10 from Seahawks players when considering her willingness to invest in the facilities, 23rd best in the league. And the VMAC, I don't think, has had a a big facelift since you and and your team in 09 moved in. There's
1: no facelift. It still looks beautiful. Yeah, it's great, but it looks exactly the same. And when you're dealing with guys who've been to different organizations, and um, like you got, what, Leonard Williams who was with the Giants. You got Diggs who was with, excuse me, yeah, Giants. You got Diggs, who was with the Lions. Um, you're you're going to, you know, other different places. And then you got Bobby, who went to L.A., I'm sure. What does L.A. rank when it comes to uh, facilities? Where, where are we at? The L.A. Rams, in terms
0: of, like, weight room and stuff, they are down near the bottom. They have a C-. And then their, let's see here, their training room, they are also near the bottom of the C-. So they don't have the greatest facilities either. I think they're – I don't know if their team facility is still being built or whatnot. I, I know they used to rent out space yeah. at a local college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could have been
1: – 206 says, responding to me saying these guys going to the combine should get in first class. They're college kids who play ball. Coach, not first class. I I disagree. They, they are – if the NFL – are acquiring these guys services and the NFL makes billions upon billions of dollars. You're only inviting over what a hundred guys to this whole thing, put them in first class and they're bigger than the average person. Even the, the thin receiver who you think doesn't need much room is a uh, bigger than the average person. So I couldn't just, I can not disagree with you more.
0: Now man. the Seahawks finished 14th out of the 32 teams. So in the upper half of the league by a slim margin, what team do you think was number one overall? And I, I've, you, well, I know the if, answer because you, you know told the me. answer. It's but, surprising to me. Yeah, Was it surprising to you? It was surprising. You? Yeah. This team got straight A's every category. They got at least an a minus the Miami dolphins got an a in every category. The categories that we run down training room, training staff, weight room, strength, coaches, team, travel, head coach, owner. uh, Let's see here. What else is it? Treatment of families, food and cafeteria, nutritionist, dietitian, and locker room. The Miami Dolphins with the highest grade in the entire NFL. And the team with the lowest, the Washington Commanders. Uh, That's no surprise. Now, here is, I think, the most surprising result of this entire survey. You know which team finished second to last, 31st overall in the NFL? It's a team that's won three Super Bowls in the last five years, the Kansas City
1: Chiefs. Crazy.
0: The Kansas City Chiefs, despite all the winning that they have done, finished 31st out of 32 teams in all of these categories once you tabulated them. Their treatment of families, D+, food and cafeteria, C-, nutritionist, dietitian F, locker room, F, training staff, F, training room, D, weight room, C+, team travel, D, ownership, 32nd overall their players on the Chiefs roster hate their owner. If they are the one if they're the ones voting him the worst owner in the NFL, uh an F minus was his grade. The only saving grace among their uh in um, among the categories was head coach Andy Reid ranked first, A+. I want to know, bump, when you see the Chiefs have as much success as they have without the amenities, without the accoutrements, without the uh, greatest facilities in the NFL, and yet they're still able to win as much as they they do. How big of an influence is Andy Reid's A plus grade on this team? Like, is is head coach player the most important relationship in an organization?
1: For sure, it's all about the head coach and the player. They're the guys on the field. They're the guys who get fans to show up. They're the guys who are preparing every single day and every week to get these guys going. So that's a big up to Andy Reid. And uh, even with all this coming out, guys are still going to want to go play for the chiefs because you got Pat Mahomes and you have Andy Reed when it's all said and done, it's about the product on the field. I'm sure the chiefs organization is going to look at this list and be like, all right, we'll try to change some things, but uh, no one's winning at the clip that we're winning. So we're going to keep on doing what we do. I think you told me a story that um, they're supposed to get the locker rooms redone and they weren't able to get it done.
0: Right? Yeah. The chiefs ownership had promised the players They were going to renovate the locker rooms following the 2022 season, the season that they won the Super Bowl, and it didn't happen. The only thing they fixed was the chairs in the locker room, and the players were uh, obviously upset by this. And the reasoning that Chiefs ownership gave the players was, well, you guys lasted too long in the playoffs. We had too many home games for construction to get in there and to renovate everything before the start of the next season so we just scrapped the project this year they had two extra weeks to do it because they finished up with two road games in the AFC playoffs and then the Super Bowl so maybe they finally get that renovated locker room Um, but yeah just a a weird weird thing to see the Chiefs at 31st overall Uh, some more craziness from this survey the Chargers charge their players Uh, $75 for the first kid and $50 for any additional kids for daycare each day. Uh, Another interesting one is the Cardinals have stopped charging players for meals. Now they uh, let them have free meals. The Bengals have horrible showers in their locker room, uh, and they were criticized following last year's survey for not playing for not providing players three meals a day. They have now changed that policy to three meals every Wednesday. So one day <laughs> out of the week they get free food rather than every day that they're in the facility.
1: They're charging these dudes for daycare. You know, who's not paying for daycare, the veterans, the guys on second year contracts, they're yeah. charging these practice squad guys and the league minimum guys who probably have their wife. working because or not have them work, their wifeies choose to work uh, because they want to make sure they're good financially. I don't know some people are going to say, but I've been getting paid hundreds of thousands of million dollars. Yeah, I get that. But um, it's crazy that they're taxing the guys low on the totem pole. It ain't right. But uh, yeah, it's always nice to have these report cards. Man, let you know a little bit of what's going on uh, inside the building when it comes to uh, to the details. One thing that we did learn is that uh, Miami is on point, and that the Chiefs win regardless of how they're treating their players and how their facilities <laughs> look. So um, you take that and you run with it. Whatever you think of that report card, uh, that's all of you. But let's get to headline rewrites headline rewrites
0: we must make headlines The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Stacy. <laughs> the seattle times ryan divish writes that matt brash likely won't be ready for opening day and industry sources believe he could miss an extensive amount of time or possibly even the season what's the real headline real headline you mean to tell me that much spin on his slider and also leading the league in appearances could lead to arm trouble
1: it's only a matter of time and unfortunately houseway this is matt's time um, 78 appearances led the league. Oh, that's tough, man. I, I hope he gets better. I hope it's it's just for a little bit. Now, it sounds like he's not going to be there to open the season. Regardless, you take your time. Uh, best case scenario is that we see him eventually, but um, this is what happens with pitchers, man. It's such a weird throwing motion, and you mentioned it, man. The movement he has on that slider is caused by all the action with the flex at that elbow.
0: Yeah, I was not I was not put at ease by Scott's service yesterday with Brock and Saul basically dancing around the question of Matt Brash's availability, mm-hmm. whereas with Julio dealing with that hand injury, he was a lot more direct and being like, oh, it's, it, it's nothing. It, he'll be fine. He'll be out there in a couple days, just giving him some extra rest. Did not like the hesitancy in Scott Service's voice uh, when asked about Matt Brash. Here is what he had to say yesterday. Yeah, uh, we will hear more in the next couple of days uh, on where Matt is at. Uh, obviously, he's a key part. He's one of the best arms, bullpen arms in the league. Uh, you know, he felt some soreness the other day. We're, we're being very cautious with that. Where is that soreness? Out. It's in his arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I answered your question. <laughs> you did. You did.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> his <laughs> right arm, too. It's in his throwing his arm. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Forearm? Arm, not shoulder? Arm. Yeah. Scott Service, tight-lipped on that. Is what it is. Headline Headline.
1: Rewrites.
0: When asked at the Combine by the News Tribune's Greg Bell about Jamal Adams' fit in Mike McDonald's defense, John Schneider answered, is he in his plans? Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. We'll keep working things through. We're still trying to figure all that out. What's the real headline? Real headline, I think we know what they're trying to figure out.
1: Trying to figure out a way out, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: How do we absorb that dead cap?
1: It's unfortunate, it man. Work. My man, when he was healthy, he played well. This is just, It's just been a while. 2020 was the last time we saw him really do his thing. Nine and a half sacks then. Um, he's got a $26.9 million cap hit. Only played 34 of 69 games, man. He was uh, the highest paid safety in the league at one point. He played like it at another point. Uh, but he just can't stay healthy, man. And sometimes a fresh start is needed. And uh, Jamal tweeted out, what, looking, looking forward to opportunity. And we're trying to figure out what opportunity. Is it going to be here? Is it going to be elsewhere? I think uh, we're leaning towards the latter when it comes to Jamal. Anywhere he goes, if he's healthy and they can tap back into 2020, Jamal, uh, these guys got a stud. If not, uh, we'll see if he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, he's had a couple of cryptic tweets lately. That one that you mentioned tweeting yesterday. And then he has tweeted, looking forward to 2024, whatever it takes to become a champion. This is all within the last two weeks. And then on February 12th, he tweeted, 210 days and uh, Not really giving an answer on that But just all sorts of Cryptic tweets out there for, for Jamal Adams. 210
1: days. Maybe that was the last time He was completely healthy
0: Maybe or maybe
1: that's how many Days
0: it was until the start Of the next season mm-hmm. Yeah I, I think that's it. That's yeah, it for sure I it, Jamal's just he's tweeting through it Hey whatever maybe it takes man yeah, Whatever it takes. Get healthy Headline rewrites. Some good news for the Mariners. Julio Rodriguez will likely play in
1: Saturday's Cactus League game, according to manager Scott Service. What's the uh, headline?
0: Real headline is it's about time there was some good news from Mariners camp.
1: Yeah, um, you know Julio is is the the thing that makes this go right. Granted, it's a team sport, and the Mariners are great at pitching but you need Julio to be at the top of his game and you take your time, man. We, we spoke to Shannon earlier. She goes, look, I'm not worried about him. He'll get some, some ABs and, and he'll be fine. But uh, it's always nice when Julio's on the field, you feel when he's out there, you don't even have to see him. You feel the energy. Uh, you know what he brings. We're listening to Shannon talk about how he's matured over the years, physically, mentally. I mean, he seems like he's in a good place, man. The little that I've seen of Julio, um, it, it looks great, man, playing catcher Ichiro. Ichiro, So, you know, the, uh, the debut is, uh, we're anticipating it, man. Can't wait to see 44 out there again. Yeah. Gotta, gotta see him
0: on Saturday. It's going to be great to see him out on the field, especially, uh, with all the news coming from Mariners camp, just guys dealing with their, their and bruises, And Julio is the most important player on this roster. Need him out there. So it'll be great to see. I'm very excited for for Julio's Cactus League debut, even though it'll probably only last like three innings. Hey,
1: I'll take whatever I can get because, you know, we need (laughs) the M's need him to have a great start. Man, the last couple of years have not been good when it comes to just the start of the season. Uh, Slow starts and then you get the brash news and you start to worry a little bit. Um, we're not worried about Kirby and his outing. He will be fine. Uh, Curtis ran through some numbers. That's exactly what he does. Shannon second that. But um, you want to see your, your your dogs out there, your big dogs, your bats. And, uh, and Santos, too. We want to see how Santos uh, looks once he gets healthy. So, yeah, it's nice to have – we have all these questions, but it's nice just to, to go out there and see something to be true, which is seeing 44 out there with his smile, saying hello to the fans and doing exactly what he does. Man, love some Julio, so I uh, can't wait to see that go down on Saturday. All right, man, you're listening to the bump in Stacy show. We got Curtis Rogers filling in. We're what about an hour and a half left. Lots of more to do. When we come back, we're going around the NFL, NFL headlines. Zach Wilson got his permission slip signed. Good for you, Zach. You got Lajarius need, um, who, uh, might be franchise tab. We're going to talk about him. And he got Marquez, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, um, working on some deals as well. Curtis and I break all that down. This is the Bump and Stacy show on the Seattle Sports and Seattle Sports app. Bump and Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios
0: on Seattle Sports.
1: Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. This is the bump in Stacy's show. My guy Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacey. Let's uh, get to these NFL headlines. The first one is interesting, man. Jets GM Joe Douglas says they've given Zach Wilson permission to seek a trade. I think that's all good for Zach. My question is um, does he have any takers? You look at what he did last year 12 games, completed no. 60% of his passes, 2,200 yards, eight touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Now, again, he's with the Jets. Personnel hasn't always been great over there, but what you've seen out of Zach Wilson is just a guy that's like one step behind at times, but he will still be in this league. My question is, what do you get out of a trade for Zach Wilson? You don't get
0: anything more than like a conditional draft pick, maybe like a seventh rounder like there. Zach Wilson's value in the NFL has never been lower. Mm -hmm. I think it's hilarious that the jets are like, yeah, go, go right ahead. Seek a trade. (laughs) See what you can get and, and report back to us because we're not going to put in that time and effort. We're not going to waste our time because we know what the answer is. Maybe you can find something else, but yeah. Zach Wilson didn't show that he was a capable backup uh, in his time with the Jets. Like That is the only role for Zach Wilson right now in the NFL, and he showed that he couldn't even do that. So maybe he's going to go as a, a camp body, maybe somebody looking to fight for a backup role at some point, like this dude is not cut out for the NFL, at least not at this point. I just, I don't see it from him. I don't, I don't think I've ever really seen it from him. Everybody was wowed by his pro day tape, but Mm -hmm. like everybody looks good at their pro day. No one, no one challenges themselves. At their pro
1: Now you look great, you're set up for a success. You do the drills you yeah. want to do, you throw the footballs you want to throw. The one thing I will give Zach Wilson is that, um, he was supposed to sit and develop this year behind Aaron Rodgers, and he wasn't able to do that obviously because, um, Aaron getting hurt But eight snaps into the regular season, but uh, but yeah, I think he will find his way into a camp. And he will throw... He will look great during 7-on-7s. And somebody's going to keep him on on roster as a backup. But uh, as a starter next year, I don't think you or I see that going down. Uh, Kansas City will tag all-pro corner LeJarrius Sneed ahead of the March 5th deadline. We were talking about this before the show. McDuffie and Sneed might be the best corner combo in this league. And Sneed, uh, I think, allowed like one or two touchdowns this whole season. Um, We talk about the... Chiefs offense and Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey as we should, but mm-hmm. Sneed and McDuffie and Chris Jones, these guys are the ones who kept them in contention for a championship.
0: Yes, it was the Chiefs defense this season that was the big catalyst. That's what kept them in every ball game because that offense sputtered out at a lot of points this season. McDuffie, an All-Pro, Legarius Sneed uh, has been a really solid cornerback uh, to the point where he's going to get a significant payday because. Once you get that franchise tag, you you don't ever want to make anything below that. I think he's getting, he's going to be getting paid like 18, 19 million, Mm -hmm. regardless of if he gets an extension. Um, And then also they are allowing him to seek a trade too. Uh, So he would then, if the Chiefs were to move on from him, they would get that money back because it's all, it all goes against the salary cap. All the guaranteed money you get goes against the salary cap. And then they would probably get... Some pretty significant draft pick compensation in return too. Think about the Chiefs and just how they've been able to keep this thing going, and all the talent that they've lost from their first Super Bowl to now their what fourth Super Bowl yeah. appearance. You know, guys like Tyreek Hill, they're gone or he's gone. Um, now potentially, Le'Jerius Sneed could be gone. All sorts of guys on their offensive line have have come and gone. Uh, you know, there's. Potentially, Chris Jones isn't back, mm-hmm. and even with all that talent leaving, I still think of them as probably the AFC favorites going into next season. It reminds me a lot of the Patriots and how they were able to keep it going when guys like Richard Seymour and Ty Law and Lawyer Malloy all left. They still had the best quarterback in the game, yep. and that is what's going to carry them in the future and beyond.
1: Yeah, that's what's impressive about Kansas City, man. They can uh, draft, acquire, and replace and and keep the party going. But I'm sure they want to keep Sneed. Uh, You just added this one. I like this one, Curtis. A handful of NFL teams are proposing the league move the trade deadline back from week 8 to 10. I like this. And the reason why I like it is because it just gives teams more time to try to figure out who they are and what they want to do and get closer to winning a championship. Um, An extra two weeks to evaluate your team, to see what's out there, to make deals. Um, It's good for everybody. It's good for the fans because you see a better product on the field. At least you hope you do. And it's better for teams because um, the later you wait to make a move, the, the better you know who you are as a team, as an organization.
0: I'm surprised they didn't move it back a week when they tacked on an extra week to the regular season. Right, Like you are now playing 17 games rather than 16. So it only makes sense to move it to the second half of the schedule. Week eight is still technically the first half of the season uh, because week nine would be then the midway point because you've got eight weeks before eight weeks after week nine. Um, So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to move it back. I don't know why they haven't uh, in the two years that they've gone to the 17 game schedule. And you you know what your team is about in week 10. Do you think the Seahawks would have made the trade for Leonard Williams if the deadline was pushed two weeks back?
1: I think so. Yeah. I, cause I think they would still have the same issues, right? Not being able to stop the run like they want to getting after the quarterback. I think they would have, and I still think it's a good move. I think now you just got to make sure you lock them down because you don't have a second-round pick or you find a way to get into the second round. But, no, I like it. The later you allow teams to make decisions um, about personnel, I think the better. The Bengals have tagged QB Jake Browning as an exclusive rights-free agent. I like this, and the reason why I like it is because this young man earned that thing. I mean, he came in for uh, for Burrow and uh, had himself a game. There are games where he had what three touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns in the season, completing seventy percent of his passes for nineteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, and seven interceptions. We talked about. Drew Locke ending up somewhere and probably being a backup. This is the perfect situation for Jake Browning, man. Montlake Jake is in the league and show last year that he's serviceable and they had to. They had to tag him in and, and hold him here because teams were going to go after this dude. He played some really good games. What against Minnesota? You got an overtime win. You got an overtime win against Jacksonville. You beat the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, I don't think they're playing everybody, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah, good for Jake Browning, man. I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah fantastic season that he had in relief of Joe Burrow. Couldn't get the Bengals into the playoffs, unfortunately, but I think he outperformed every expectation that anybody thought about him. I didn't think he was going to be able to do what he did because when I still think of Jake Browning, I think of Jake Browning, Husky quarterback, doing all those spin moves, (laughs) trying to get out of the pocket, throwing hospital balls. Uh, That was the Jake Browning I had in my mind and he did not look anything like UW Jake Browning out on the field. Um, weird. How like when you get around pro coaching and pro players, you, you tend to perform a little bit better right. than you do in college. Mm-hmm. Like college is not the end of the story for a lot of these guys. They, they still perform better and better. Um, so yeah, Jake Browning, congrats. Uh, well, congrats to him on the season that he had and with this exclusive rights uh, tag. The Bengals will retain his rights. He's not allowed to negotiate. And if any team does want to make a move for him, they're going to have to give up significant capital for him. Um, I think Browning, when he does become a free agent, mm-hmm. if he if he continues to perform like this, maybe in like the preseason,
1: he's going to be a, a, a wanted commodity. He's going to make like thirty five a year. Yeah. 35 40 a year by the time he's on the market, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Good for him, man. Get the bag. Yes. Uh, last one we got here, man. The Chiefs are releasing Marquez Valdez Scantling ahead of the league, uh, the league year, excuse me. Releasing him saves Kansas City 12 million in cap space. Now, we remember the struggles. Of the Chiefs receiving core throughout the season when it comes to dropping footballs. My man still scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, came up clutch when you needed. Now, we just talked about the Chiefs and the facilities and the training and training staff and all that stuff and how they got these low ranks, but high ranks when it comes to their coaching staff. Uh, they get a high rank when it comes to finding guys to just come in and run their stuff. And I think. Um, Marquez Valdez scaling is, is an example of that. Not going to wow you with his numbers, but he's going to do enough to stay relevant. Had 128 yards during the regular season, 315, oh sorry, 128 during the playoffs, 315 during the regular season. They're not going to hurt by losing this guy. They're <laughs> going to find a guy just like him for yeah. cheaper and they'll be fine.
0: They'll probably take a receiver in the first round is my guess. Like at the end of the first round, maybe like a uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon. I've seen yeah. his name kind of at the end of the first round, early second round. Uh, yeah, boy. <laughs> you, you swap out MVS for an even younger receiver. It's funny because Marquez Valdez Scantling in the regular season bump, time and time again, had like tons of drops yeah. and just could not make any big play. And then in the playoffs, all of a sudden, he just became this tremendous big play weapon for them. Coming down with all these crazy catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but for whatever reason, like he was able to uh, to turn it on like that. But $12 million for the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I can see why they, they chose to move on from him.
1: Some guys ball out when the lights are its brightest. All right, when we return, uh, Mike McDonald spoke yesterday. And uh, we're going to you know, jack all that up, Curtis, man. Something we heard about Mike McDonald that still has our attention. Curtis and I will talk about that next. You're listening to the Bumpin' Stacy Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Bumpin' Stacy,
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
1: Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacy Ross. Michael Bumpus still here. For the first time in 14 years, there's a new sheriff in town when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks and who's leading the charge. It is Mike McDonald. Now, we heard his name floating around, and I think Stacey and I kind of gravitated towards him because of what he did in Baltimore. When you heard his name floating around, what were your thoughts?
0: My thoughts were he's young, right, and that is a significant change from everything that we knew with Pete Carroll, Pete being the oldest head coach in the league, uh you bring in some fresh blood like Mike McDonald and you're kind of like, all right, well, you've got new eyes, you've got essentially a, a different like generational look at what football is in 2023-2024, like this is going to be I think a, a a big difference from what we've seen under Pete and the staff that he had uh compared to what McDonald can do and What stood out to me, Bump, about McDonald so far is that every player that has been coached by McDonald, whether it be at Michigan or at Baltimore, has really spoke glowingly of this guy. Now, it's kind of like the assistant coach is always like the most popular guy on Mm -hmm. the team because he's not the head coach. He's not the guy that everyone's mad at. And, you know, the assistant coach is able to, I think, connect better with the players than the head guy is. Can do so. It'll be interesting to see how McDonald can can adapt to that role. But every Michigan player at the combine, um, I believe, has been asked about Mike McDonald at some point because all of them were there when McDonald had his one season in in Ann Arbor. Um, they all have spoke glowingly about him. I know Kyle Hamilton of Baltimore has. Uh, other guys have uh, on that Ravens team too. And yesterday, Austin Meek, who covers the Michigan Wolverines. For the athletic, he joined us and spoke too about McDonald's impact on that Wolverines program, and he spoke about you know bringing over that Ravens scheme and how he won over a lot of people early on by just how much how different it looked than what they were currently running.
1: I think initially
0: when Mike McDonald took over as defensive coordinator at Michigan, I think there was you know a fair amount of wait and see what what's this going to be like. Mike McDonald brought in the the Ravens scheme that now has become a staple at Michigan and and it really I think turned around the direction of the program because Michigan was in a really rough spot coming off of the 2020 season when they were two and four and that defense and the turnaround they had on defense the next year with Aiden Hutchinson as, as the leader of that defense really paved the way for for all of the success that came after that for Michigan so McDonald being responsible in large part for how good that Michigan program has been over the last three seasons. Now that was with Jim Harbaugh as head coach and, you know, McDonald only spent the one season in Michigan, but from the sound of it bump, it sounds like this is a guy that uh, changed a lot of people's fortunes at Michigan and they should be very thankful uh, for the time that he spent there.
1: Now, that's what young talent does, right? He comes in uh, 2021, 20, changes the game, and it's always good when you uh, you get in there, you establish your scheme, and you leave, and your scheme lives on. That's a pure uh, straight indicator right there that what you're doing um, is working. Uh, Mike Morris, I believe, who was, uh, who was on the squad here in Seattle, worked with uh, Mike McDonald as well um, as I'm looking at the desktop right here there's a, a news flash that goes across the screen it says Seahawk hires receive rave reviews and we are talking about um, Mike McDonald and how players are talking about him at the combine Michigan has 18 players at the combine which is ridiculous wazoo got three of them things over there you guys go ahead and represent but uh but no no you're only you're only as good as your talent to some point but you got to get that talent to perform you can look at the Seahawks talent on defense over here last year and you and you can say look Uh, didn't perform well, but there was some talent out there, uh, didn't really meet expectations. I believe that Mike McDonald is going to be so refreshing over here. And there is some skepticism, just like there was in Michigan. Like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. This young dude over here doesn't have that much experience. What is he going to do? I think that's a natural response when you have a guy who was, what, 36 years old, um, been a coordinator for three years, twice in the, uh, two times in the NFL. But, um, Wherever he's been in the last three years he's had some success man and uh, I'm excited to see what he does I think he's gonna he's gonna get things going here
0: yeah and, and meek who also in the interview left us with this hot take uh, about Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan calling McDonald the most consequential hire that Harbaugh made you know I'm not sure there was a more consequential hire that Jim Harbaugh made during his tenure at Michigan than hiring Mike McDonald to be his defensive coordinator. That's high praise. Like that's for a guy who have only spent one season in a place and years later, just what, three years later now mm-hmm. for the people who are still there covering that team being like, yeah, it was that guy. That guy is why this defense is playing w- what what they are right now. Like there was no doubt last year that Michigan's defense was the best in the country. Like they were so good and so disciplined and just never let any team get any sort of breathing room on them. Uh and uh, for for the people that were there, for the people that were closest to that team, they could still feel the impact made by McDonald and his play calling and what he was able to do in that 2021 season. You look at Michigan's record since that year, 40 and three, I believe was their record uh, with one national championship, three college football playoff appearances. And two of those losses of, of the three were in the college football playoff semifinal. So they only have had one loss outside of the college football playoff in the last three years. And that's thanks in large part to uh, some of the coaching that Mike McDonald was able to do at Michigan. That to me, bump that was playing over and over in my mind yesterday. Just kind of like, wow. We talk about his time in Baltimore a lot because he, he spent the good majority of his coaching career with the Ravens as a member of their defensive staff. But I was like, "Eh, I wonder what the people in Michigan think about this guy because he's only there for such a short time. And like, He changed what what they were able to do there in a very short amount of time.
1: When Mike McDonald was in Michigan, this team was the third-ranked defense overall. They were third against the run, and they were top 25 when it comes to points per game. So uh, he took all of that, took it to Baltimore, helped put together a great defense, and we're hoping that he does the same thing here in Seattle. You're listening to The Bump and Stacey Show on the Seattle Sports and Seattle Sports app. When we come back, we'll go into the trenches with Big Ray Roberts.